This is episode number 362 with transformational coach Chris Lee. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, back to another special, incredible edition of the School of Greatness podcast. We've got our resident coach and expert back on the show, Chris Lee, my good friend, my coach, and uh, an incredible human being who's been doing transformational leadership training for the last 28 years. And we dive in on a topic that Chris has never talked about, uh, something I've never really talked about inside of masculinity today inside of this topic. And Chris reveals some things that he's never shared publicly. Um, and also we cover a lot of main things about this topic. You know, a lot of, you know, I'm doing research for a new book about masculinity and the things that hold men back and how women are affecting this as well. And what women are doing to support men and hold men back as well. So we dive in about this topic, it gets pretty interesting at a few moments. Some of the key things we talk about are what are some of the ways for a woman to get her man or any man in her life to open up, whether it be a boyfriend or a husband, a brother, a son, father, a friend, how to get any of their close male friends to open up. Also, we cover the differences in masculinity for straight men and gay men. We also talk about where men's power actually comes from and how men can create more power in this process. Why it's so hard for men to say two simple words, I'm sorry, and why men in our society die earlier than women. We cover a lot of this and so much more, but it's something that I'm fascinated by with and really diving in deep to understand this topic because I think it's now more than ever, it's... um a touchy subject. It's something that is not very clear for a lot of people. It's a little messy. So I thought we'd bring in someone who's been dealing with a lot of ranges of men and women working in five-day workshops, very intense, learning about and understanding why people have fears, why people have walls, barriers, masks that they live behind that hold them back from their greatness. Because this is really what keeps us from living our most authentic, true life and living in love in order to move past fear. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. Make sure to share this out with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 362. Send a tweet to me right now at lewishouse and at Chris Motivador on Twitter. And let us know what you think while you're listening to this episode. Let us know the biggest takeaway you got from this also. I think this is going to be a topic that a lot of people share and talk about. Some of Chris's episodes are some of the most downloaded interviews that we have. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. And thanks for continually asking him to come back because we have a lot of topics we want to cover. But this one is something I'm super excited and passionate about right now. So without further ado, let me bring back on the show the one, the only, Chris Lee. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got my dear friend and resident podcast guest on the house, Chris Lee. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here this again. is number eight we just found out we we're trying to figure it out <laughs> we, we both guessed sure. wrong i said <laughs> I, six you I said, said seven or something or yeah. you have been on here 11 times right this, this will be number 11 actually with two five minute fridays and a repeat episode when right. the book came out which if you guys don't have his book make sure to pick it up it's called transform your life 10 principles 10 principles of abundance and prosperity which was born from an episode that we did here called 10 principles of abundance and prosperity but I wrote the forward to it. It's an incredible book. Go pick it up. We'll have it linked up here at the end of the show notes. Um, Chris Lee is in town for a few days. We had lunch today, and I said we got to do a podcast because I'm writing a new book about masculinity, and this is a topic that you essentially brought out of me to be a more vulnerable, loving, passionate, wise man. Mm -hmm. And when I had a lot of love and joy already, but I was also living in a lot of pain, anger, frustration, hurt, resentment, bitterness competition and always having to one-up people and having to win in life. 
relationships, personal, intimate business, family, friendships. And I realized that in my entire life, I was suffering inside. I was very alone inside because I was so driven to achieve and be and prove everyone wrong. But in doing so, I was always alone. And I would achieve and achieve, and I would feel lonely and unfulfilled at the end. So when you shifted out of me, when I did the workshop with you, and you shifted out of me, what it means to be a loving, vulnerable, masculine man, and how being loving and vulnerable doesn't mean being weak or being less than or being, uh, you know, still not winning in your competition, but actually thriving and connecting and being a true leader and, and rising all the ships around you, it really shifted everything in my life in terms of relationships, business, everything. So first, thanks for bringing it out of me and bringing the awareness to me. Cause I think that's the first step is being aware if we are hurting ourselves or what's holding us back from our greatness or from achieving whatever it is we want in life. And then second, you gave me a lot of tools to use on how to be more loving and vulnerable. And I think that's the challenge. People aren't aware. Their ego is in the way. At least mine was. I speak of my existence. Ego is in the way. And then we don't have the tools on how to communicate our feelings, our needs, our thoughts, things like that. Um, so I want to talk about the topic of masculinity because I think this is fascinating because you've been training people for 28 years on emotional intelligence, leadership, and really understanding ourselves, being aware. So you've had so much experience. You've seen every type of human being, every type of race, every type of religion, every age. You've trained them all, right? Is there a character type that you have not trained? I can't think of anything. Right. Or any, or any type. And what you're referring to are the walls that we build. Yes. Because – all you could you could have a loving environment and you could have success and you could have all of the trappings of life but if you walk around with a chip on your shoulder and you're walking around with an anchor that you're carrying with you and you've got these walls around you then you'll never be fulfilled you'll never be happy and you'll never be effective and then what ends up happening is you start projecting that mm. and what we have is we've got pictures of what a man should be Pictures of what it means to be powerful, pictures of what it means to be successful. And we have these images and these pictures, and we've got this criteria mm -hmm. that we learn from our parents, our dads, the men in our lives, mm -hmm. action heroes, uh, media, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not a realistic picture because it's not authentic. Right, right. And for me growing up, you know, I grew up with this the same experience with my dad or my older brother. And also in sports, it's really common to hear certain language about don't be a wuss, don't be a girl, don't be this, don't be that, don't be a fag, don't be all these things. Mm -hmm. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying, yeah, yeah, you know. There's all these beliefs. All these things. And so we're taught to not show emotions, at least I was. Right, hide, most, hide your feelings. Yeah, hide your feelings. Um, you know, don't show pain, don't show any of these things. And also, as a man growing up, I don't know if you experienced this, but as a man growing up, um, you know, it was always talked about was kind of conquering women. It was like, what happened last night? You know, did you hook up with the girl or did you meet the girl? Like, what happened? It was always like people wanted to know. And it was like, cool, if you're able to conquer the woman or get the girl or however, you know, however mm -hmm. you did. And so it was kind of like, um, you know, you had a game and you're, you're always playing game in every area of your life as a man to like one up and show people that you were better than or that you were worthy of the masculinity that you're wearing or something. And um, so I want to talk about this, you know, and the reason why I think you're the perfect person to talk about, and I don't think you really talk about this publicly. You talk about it in your workshops every now and then, but you're not public about this, but you're gay and you've experienced, you know, a lot of different things growing up, especially uh, you're 50 when you look 30. But you're 50, mm -hmm. but you experienced 51, 51 <laughs> and you, but you grew up in a time where it really wasn't accepted, like more it is now, right? I mean, it's a lot more accepted now. It's a lot more open. Not only that I grew up, scary not people. only that I grew up in a time where it wasn't accepted, I grew up in a culture that right. it wasn't accepted. You grew up in Puerto Rico. Because I grew up in Puerto Rico, which is el machismo. Yeah. You know, the macho, the Latin, you know, the gay was a sign of you were literally less than a human being. Wow, really? And it was also a very religious country, so it was a lot of religious. Catholic mostly. Catholic. Or, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were also 
Americans growing up in Puerto Rico. So I had I had everything stacked up against me mm-hmm. to make me feel like what I was was wrong and bad and less. So how did you how did you deal with the masculinity issues, or how, did well, you struggle with it, or is it? Well, I basically put on an act. What was that? An act. Well, I think we all do. Right. What was your I, act? I put on my mask. Uh-huh. And my mask was that uh, I don't need anybody and I could do it alone. And I became the entertainer. Mm. So my way of getting uh, by was by being likable and entertaining and sociable. And, you know, I put on this giant lie and I had girlfriends and I played sports. It was all a lie. When did you know that you were gay? When I was nine years old. Really? That I was more attracted to the boys in the class <laughs> than the girls in the but class. But you had girlfriends all through high school or college, or I had girlfriends through high school. Gotcha. So you put on the mask, of and life. I and I had a like a, a hidden life because there was like a gay bar that I would go to when, when you were ten. No, high school. <laughs> okay, gotcha. we're in high school now. Gotcha. Sixteen. Um, when I was sixteen, seventeen, you yeah, know, yeah. there was a, a club, and I had an uh, like not an uncle, but a friend of the family's that was gay. Right. And he would kind of introduce me to that whole Interesting. world. Yeah. Okay. But it was all hidden. So you lived a double life. You put on a mask. Yeah. For the, the you didn't show your authentic self to the to the real world. Right. Because I thought it was the rest wrong. Of the world. Yeah, interesting. And so my idea of masculinity, back to the topic, was don't show your emotions, don't show your feelings, don't express anything that reveals any kind of weakness. So when did you start being true and authentic or dropping the mask and saying, well, this is who I am and this is my definition of masculinity? Well, like you, when I went through a series of processes where I had the opportunity to look in the mirror and see whose life I was living. Because what happens is that, and this is true, gay, straight, whatever, we end up fulfilling other people's vision versus our own vision. Because when you look at little boys, little boys are feminine. Hmm. A lot of little boys are very sweet and loving and caring. So they have a good mixture. They have a mixture of feminine and masculine, which is the authentic self. Little boys cry. Little boys say, I love you. Little boys will kiss, hug. They love the world. They share. And so what happens is that based on the vision of the parents or society, we start putting kids into a little box. You're a boy, you're a girl. Girls should, boys should. And then we start making the feminine side to us wrong. And in women and then for women, they make the masculine side wrong. And so we start living a life that is not authentic to ourselves. Until you go through a transformation or you go through a process of you bring awareness to the, the waking up and yeah. some people never wake up. Some people end up living behind those walls. And what happens is that we create conflict because when you're not authentic and you're not in integrity with who you authentically are, you don't, you can't create relationship. And we all know based on the work we've done and the studies we've done that the key to success is relationships. Your ability to connect with people, your ability to connect to people's hearts is, is what builds relationships, key to success relationship. But the key to relationship is authenticity. And if I'm not authentic with you, then I'm never in a relationship with you. Yeah. And if I'm living behind walls, which is what I do in trainings, I crack people's walls. Right. And you had your walls. I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> you know, this, yeah, yeah. I don't need anybody and I got it all figured out. And yeah. you're in this proving it over and over competition. Uh-huh. I need to be number one. I need to get to the top. <laughs> And then you would bypass your feelings, your emotions, and the authentic you. And the, and you, and what, as a result of that, by peeling off layers of all of the messages that we get from the people that we surround ourselves with, whether it's coaches, parents, friends, et cetera, et cetera, when you start deciphering what's real, what's the authentic me, what's the inauthentic me, then emerges from that what emerges like a phoenix from the ashes is the unstoppable powerful you mm. which is vulnerable and open and loving and authentic so were you in your early 20s then when you started to be you know open and aware and fully expressing who you were completely open and aware and, and dropping the mask and the other thing is 
you know, like you said, I was gay, but I don't label myself. You know, I just happen sure. to be a man right. that I'm attracted to men. Okay. I'm also attracted to women, but not in the same way. Right. I love women. I think women are right. beautiful. But I have my my take on my sexuality is that that's just a piece of who I am. It's not who I am. Right. It doesn't define you. You know, I'm a human being that I just love people. Right. And my my mission is to make a difference in people's lives. And you know, I I like vanilla ice cream. You like chocolate. Right. Uh, that's to me. That's it's that simple. Yeah, I actually like mint chip pretty. You like mint? I, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, that's great. So I like mint chocolate chip too. But um, anyway, so so as I, as we tear off the layers of our inauthentic selves, we are able to extract that diamond, that yeah. masterpiece. And I think that that's everyone's journey. Yes. And those of you listening to us right now, you want to be thinking about what are those walls that you have that surround the authentic you, mm-hmm. and what who's, whose life are you living? Are you living someone else's life, someone else's definition? Someone else's message. Okay, so you've done 28 years of transformational work. I'm curious, what is the biggest or the biggest issue or issues that all the male, the men that you go through in the work with, that you coach, you teach, and you go through these experiences with? What you're saying, what you're saying, the key issue for men is they men don't realize that the key to their success and the key to their power is their heart. When men access their vulnerability and their heart, because they don't need to work on being strong. Right. They don't need to work on being powerful. They don't need to most men don't go to my trainings. I need to be more assertive. I mean I need to be more alpha. <laughs> right. Met a lot, some most, of them. Some need yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Very few. You're asking me – the question you're asking me is what? what is the biggest thing? I'm not saying that some don't, but most men, what they go to, the, to do work for and what they invest time and energy and money for is to access their ability to understand their feelings, their ability to navigate through their emotions, their ability to understand other people's feelings and emotions, and their ability to access their heart which is their femininity, which is their vulnerability. And what I have found and what, you know, and and there's studies that back this up, that men become more effective in every aspect of their life when they access their heart. Really? You see it in politicians. And when you think, when you see a politician that is moving an audience, they go right for the heart. When you see an actor or an actress moving an audience through the heart, so I think that the key, the key to, to the power that we have as human beings is accessing our heart, our vulnerability. And men have made that wrong. Yeah. You know, something you told me a couple of years ago before I went on stage for a speech, it might have been a year ago, year and a half ago, I called you up and was like, you know, I'm not sure what to really land in this speech. I was actually revealing about my sexual abuse experience for the first time on stage publicly. This was about a year ago, actually. And I remember you saying, you know, we're... Men in general are so driven to make money and be the wealthiest in the world. We're so driven to achieve financial results. That's one of our masks to show that we are worthy. It's like the more money we have, we show we're worthy. And you said, you know, so many of us strive to be the king of diamonds, but really, if you want to be wealthy forever, you'll be the king of hearts, king or queen of hearts. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And I've been saying that a lot more recently. Yeah, I remember saying that to you. And I've been saying it a lot. And people are just like, man, that, that, resonates with me so much lands for so people. many people are driven by money and listen i'm you know i want to build a business and a financial empire myself so. nothing wrong with having it all nothing wrong with being abundant and prosperous but when it puts our worth on how much we make or that's always but at the on. end of but the but at the end of the day lewis and everyone listening you don't take any of that with you to the grave and you can't go to the bank every day to this the other thing i want to say is everything you own you're borrowing it I know it's it sounds scary, but everything we have and everything we own is borrowed because when you die, it's not yours anymore and you're going to die. And so my message about being the king of hearts is that if you are the king of hearts, then that's a legacy that never dies because that generosity and that love and that giving that you as a man are able to pass on lives on forever and think about it. What are people going to remember more that he was rich and famous and had a lot of money or that he was generous. 
generosity. Yeah, that he was generous, yeah, yeah. that she was generous. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so I'm curious of all the different, of these masks that I'll talk about. Is there a specific mask that you've seen more of from men over the last 28 years, either in the training or in, in life, outside of the trainings, the need to be stoic, perfect, invincible, a stud, a champion, or breadwinner? Which one do you feel like is, you feel like they're kind of equal? Or do you see some as more people want to be one way than the other? What's your, what's your feel? What's the main mask you see that men wear? I don't think it's even on that list. It's they need to look good. What will people think of me? How will I appear to others? So that might be stoic. That might fall into the or stoic perfect category. perfect all the time. Yeah, like men, like they don't, you know, don't ever let them see you. Uh, sweat. sweat don't let them see right. cry. Don't sweat. ever let them yeah. see you sweat. Yeah. Don't let them ever see you cry. Never show vulnerability. Don't show that you're hurt. A lot of men have a hard time saying these words, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. Why is it so hard for so many, because so many people in general? Because it's our ego. And men are more attached to their ego, their pride, uh, than than women, They're, one of the things, one of the biggest masks that we have is that is looking good, being right, being control. I call it the Fred Flintstone syndrome. Those of you that are too young to know what the Flintstones are, the Flintstones had this lead, you know, character cartoon named Fred Flintstone, who was always right. And even if his friend Barney came up with an idea, it was Fred's idea. It's like the honeymoons, <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that that's one of the, one of the key masks that, that we have as men is that we attach our self-worth by how we look mm -hmm. and by what we have, how we look, how much we have, what we have, how much we have versus who we are. So, like, to use a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., we uh, measure a man by the color of his skin, by what he has, by his accomplishments, by anything that he has, you know, produced in terms of a result, but not the content of his character. And he, Martin Luther King Jr., said, I want to be measured when I'm gone by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. So even he was showing vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. I don't want to be remembered by like a man who won all the Nobel Peace Prize and someone who has all these awards. I want to be remembered just from a speech that he that he's uh, made. I want to be remembered by as someone who wanted to make a difference, and he did. Yeah. Wow. Do you struggle today at all with masculinity or any issues around masculinity? And if so, how do you deal with that process? I really don't because I don't I don't subscribe to anybody else's belief. Hmm. So it's not it's not I, I've worked through it, but I do notice that people get uncomfortable by my vulnerability sometimes. Yeah, because you could be very vulnerable. Yeah, you can go there like instantly. Like like even you, like I I I need to out you. Like I'll look okay. at you and I and there's times I'm like I love you and I'll cry and you're like uh you know <laughs> this is way too uh, yeah, vulnerable. Sometimes you yeah, know sometimes, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I'm there with you and sometimes I'm like it's a lot. It's you intense. Know? It's a lot. You know? But the people I because the people in my life I that, that I love and that you know you're not just a student or a client or yeah, yeah. you're somebody that you're a part of my life forever yeah. and you know that of course. And so the, I'm I'm always very conscious that I could be dead in the next airplane. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to, I don't want to leave this earth without being vulnerable and without people knowing the day I die, you know, most likely you'll be there. 
at the funeral remembering this conversation. Of course, yeah. Or I'll be at yours remembering this conversation, depending on, you know, if I'm pushing you in the wheelchair when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) You're pushing me. But the point is, back to vulnerability, um, I don't have an issue being vulnerable, but I do notice that some people have, you know, challenges with my vulnerability. Others do. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, it wakes up their own. Yeah. But you're not trying to make them wrong for not being vulnerable. No, 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 not at all. It's like quit being so masculine or something, right? Not at all. Not at all. It's interesting. I did an interview the other day with a guy named Steve Cook, who's a big fitness personality, super strong, big guy, got over a million followers. And I asked him, I go, what's your definition of masculinity? Because he's kind of in this bro scene, which is very like jockey community. It's like fist pump in the air. Yeah, it's all like 22-year-olds. They're just like, <laughs> let's get big, bro. You know, it's right, like. Right, 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 Bro man. Yeah, exactly. And I said, what's your definition? And he said, to put others first or to be in service. or something along those lines. It was like, to, masculinity is putting others first and being in service. And I was like, that's such a beautiful. That's a beautiful. Beautiful definition. Right. Because he grew up thinking, you know, that. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone were like masculine guys. They were like big and strong and like saved the girl or whatever. But really it was like putting others' needs, being there for others. And I was like, that's a powerful way of thinking about a true definition of masculinity. Well, to me it's humility. You know, like like the the the, the man that is the most humble is the most masculine to me. Because humility uh, is about not about bending or lowering yourself to the world. To me, humility is about lifting others up. So it's not like I don't need to be a martyr or a doormat to show that I'm humble. Humility is I'm a proud human being. I'm powerful, but my mission is to lift others up. Yeah. And to me, that's what true masculinity is. Now, how have you, how has masculinity changed over your lifetime? How is the definition or has it stayed the same since you were younger or no, it, 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 it has shifted because and how has it evolved with women being more masculine now in the workforce and in relationships? Well, the roles are shifting. A lot of women are the breadwinners. A lot of women are making more money than the men. A lot of men are taking on roles at home that traditionally you never saw before. There's a lot of stay at home, you know, dads that are, you know, they, they're the ones who take care of the kids while the, you know, the, while the, the wife or the girlfriend gets a degree or gets work or goes to work. There's a lot of shifting in that. And I think that that, that the world is becoming more open to men's vulnerability. I even saw ads in, this is interesting that we're even talking about this. I love it. I think it's an important topic and an important conversation to have. I was in Bogota, Colombia and I saw an ad about, what a true man is and it shows a man tearing up a wall like tearing down a wall and then it gives people the option is that that man the one that could bust through a wall and then it shows a man holding his newborn son and crying Wow! and then it says which one's more macho and then of course they give the answer and it's the man holding his son because it takes being macho to be vulnerable and to be open and to be loving and it was such a powerful message that the world is saturated with a, with aggressiveness and guns and violence and all of this pollution. Yeah. And, Segregation. Yeah, and separation, and discrimination, and yeah. walls, et cetera, et cetera. And what the world needs, you know, is love and what the world needs is compassion. And I think that the roles have shifted. And the other thing is, even how men dress, you know, the whole term metrosexual, you know, men now are more aware of, there's more products. Look at the, care of the hair. More look, at the, look at the hair products for men, the skin products for men. You know, now it, you don't need to be gay to get a facial right, right. or a manicure or pedicure or yeah, there's to, a, there's a man salon that I go to. It's not a barbershop anymore. It's a man. It's salon. a salon. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, men now dress very nicely and, Skinny you know, and, yeah. and all that. And yeah. so, so I think that my, you know, a lot of the diehard old fashioned people have a big resentment against what's happening. Mm. You know, are, are, are men becoming, you know, less masculine because of this? And I say, no, I think that we live in a time where we can make choices and those choices need to be authentic. Mm. So whatever's authentic. How does a man, say someone, a man or a woman's listening now where they realize, wow, 
I, uh, you know, maybe there's some things in my life that I've been wearing a mask and I haven't been as real or as authentic or vulnerable or whatever it may be with people in my life. Now I'm aware. Now I'm aware, but I don't know what to do. How do I actually drop it and really like step into it? It's terrifying to me. I feel like I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get shamed. I'm going to feel whatever. Like people are going to laugh at me or make fun of me if I am vulnerable or talk about feelings or any of these things. What's something, an exercise, uh, an example, something that someone could do to drop the mask if they're the man? And if they're a woman, what's something they could do to have a conversation with a man, a brother, father, boyfriend, husband, that maybe is wearing these masks and hasn't been able to break through to them? What's a conversation that's disarming that could open up the awareness to move the man forward? So that's two long questions there. But if you're a man listening... What's something a man could do to move forward and exercise or something for them to practice? Because it's a muscle. You've got to work at it. You know, it's not just like I'm vulnerable all of a sudden mm -hmm. and I'm open and I'm not defensive and I'm not going to try to win and attack. You know, it's like a, I think it takes some time to evolve into that. But what's a man could do and then what could a woman do? Well, there's a couple of things a man can do. Um, I think that number one is identify what are the beliefs that we have surrounding certain things. Like if I'm open, what does that mean? If I'm vulnerable, what does that mean? If I share my feelings, what does that mean? The reason why we don't do or we do is based on a belief structure. Our belief structure is a GPS system that we use. The same way you listen to Siri or you listen to you follow Google Maps or Waze, those are GPS systems that navigate you through the world in terms of going from point A to point B. As human beings, in terms of masculinity, in terms of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be vulnerable, we are also serving a GPS system. And that GPS system is something that we need to investigate. And one of the ways to investigate is journaling. I think journaling is very powerful. We don't do it enough. We don't even write anymore. We type. Right. I mean, really, like get out a notebook and just write. You know, what are my beliefs about being open? How do I feel? Or what's my fear about sharing my feelings, my emotions? And look over those beliefs and ask yourself which one of those beliefs are facts. Can you give some example of beliefs? A belief could be that if I'm open, I'll look weak. If I share my feelings, people will laugh. If I say I love you first, then that means that, I'm, that I need to now marry that person. Uh, if I wear a color that's soft, then that means I'm gay. Mm. So those are all beliefs that surround thoughts or choices. And then what you want to do is look at the beliefs and ask, this is like a journaling exercise, is ask yourself which one of those beliefs are absolute facts. And you'll realize that they're not facts. They're just interpretations. And so what I would invite people to do is to look for a positive interpretation to replace the negative one. Mm. So if I open up, I'll actually get closer to people. If I share my feelings, people won't laugh. They'll know me deeper. If X, then, you know, that's just one way. Replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts, mm. negative interpretations with positive ones. Then I'll be more freed up to do it. Another thing I recommend is for men to role play. Role-playing is very, very valuable when you role-play with somebody. You know what? I have a hard time expressing my feelings. You find someone that you're safe with, that you're mm -hmm. comfortable with. Kind of like I've been that for you. Yeah, yeah. We've been in, in, a, in a dyad for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a dyad means communication between two people. We've had dyads about everything. Yes. Um, but you know, sometimes you'll run things by me, and they might be uncomfortable and scary. But you know, once you get it out there – it becomes easier. Yeah. And so I think that men could actually start practicing. You know what? I have a hard time sharing my feelings, but I'm going to trust you. And this is how I feel about you. And this is what I'm feeling about this. And this is, you know, and start practicing that vulnerability. Yeah. I think a great way to start off is saying, you know, it's really hard for me to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Say that first. And so I'll, you're letting the other person know, like, this is a challenging thing to open up, to talk about. And, Maybe ask for permission. You know, do I have permission to share how I'm feeling? It's it's kind of weird for me or it's scary. But 
to affirmation to, to share openly without judgment or exactly turn right and another thing that people could do is do things that are out of their comfort zone yeah. you know start risking you know start uh you know if adding a heart a little couple hearts to your text is like a risk <laughs> for you then add a couple of those emojis you know right, right, if right. if um you know Taking somebody out on a date instead of, you know, this action pack movie that you're used to going to see uh-huh. because it's so masculine, then why don't you go to a movie that your girlfriend wants to see? The rom com. You know, and actually cry at the movie. Right. Give yourself permission to cry. Hey, go to a sports movie. I'll always cry. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, I cry at the end every time. I did too. Know? I love it. It's amazing. It was, it was um, great. It was great. So that's what a man can do. He can role play, he can journal, he can talk about the different exercises there. Um, what could a woman do when she is in a relationship with a guarded man or a man that's constantly wearing a mask? Maybe it's around one issue. Maybe he's amazing all the time, but he doesn't express his feelings or he's That's interesting that you're, you're asking that because today I was talking to somebody who is dating another person who does not open up, does not share, but she's never had the courage to tell him. Mm. So that's number one. It's scary for a woman. Be yeah. honest and let your partner know how important it is for you for them to open up. You know, women, you know, you're not mind readers. Right. Men, women, though they appear psychic, they're not. <laughs> yeah. You know, they need to know what's going on in your head. And most men are Neanderthals in regards to feelings and emotions, especially in a relationship. You know, they are the missing link. You know, they, they have a hard time expressing how they feel because they think it's unimportant. But what's un, just because it's unimportant to you doesn't mean it's not unimportant to the person that you're dating. So women can actually empower men to actually share. And if men have a hard time languaging something, women, you could give them suggestions. For example? For example, you know, how do you feel about this relationship? Do you feel A, B, give them multiple choice. <laughs> A, you're committed, you're excited, you're in love. This is like what you've dreamt of. B, you know, you're in the, you know, getting to know me stage. And, you know, you got to give, you got to give them simple stuff, simple baby steps, especially somebody who's not used to being open, not used to being vulnerable. But I think that, um, with love and compassion and support, little by little, people will start breaking down those walls. And of course, something else that everyone can do is hire a coach, participate in seminars like the seminar that you did with me. You know, workshops are a great environment and, you know, you could research, you know, leadership workshops. Um, they're great environments to actually stop the press of your life, stop the, the stress and kind of evaluate where I am. And one of the things that you're going to be looking at are the walls that are in between you and what's possible, especially in being vulnerable and reinventing masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the issue is not masculinity. I think the issue is the definition of it. Yeah. And what's your definition of it? Being humble. Somebody who's masculine is someone who's humble and vulnerable and willing to share how they feel, mm-hmm. willing to express their emotions, willing to show weakness, which doesn't necessarily mean that you are a weak person, but we all have strengths and weaknesses and, and someone who's vulnerable and humble and also the person who's willing to lift other people up. Yeah. What are the similarities or differences, if there are any? For masculinity stereotypes with a gay man versus a straight man, in your opinion, I think that um, it depends. There's there's different there's different kinds of gay men. You know, there's different types, stereotypes, different. You know, there's masculine, there's feminine within the gay community. There's aggressive. There's passive. There's uh, you know, there's different definitions within the gay community, and I think that. Men as well. There are men that are passive. There's men that are aggressive. There's men that are analytical. There's men. And I think that the the biggest difference between straight men and gay men is that gay men have or feel that they have more permission and it's more accepted for them to be vulnerable. Hmm. And men are so afraid of being labeled gay. And that's something that I find Why? fascinating. Because the viewpoint of gay is it makes you weak and makes you less of a man. Hmm. And it's still that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everywhere I go, 
when the topic comes up of gay and straight, straight men make jokes, straight men, you know, make, you know, uh, innuendos. It's kind of like there's a fascination among straight people about the gay lifestyle because to some of them it's so foreign or for some of them there's another feeling or desire that's within them that they haven't exposed. Mm. So they make fun of it or they try to put it down because they don't. Right. There's a lot of people that are bisexual that don't act on it, that don't own it, that don't observe it. It's and their own mask. It's their own mask. Interesting. And you notice that people that are super, like you, you're super comfortable. You know you're heterosexual. You love women and you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're very aware of it. You have no intimidation. Yeah. You know, our, our relationship, you know, we could sleep in the same bed and you're totally cool with it. <laughs> right. I live in the middle of like the gayest community in LA. You know, I live in Boys Town. So right. I'm very comfortable. And you're, and when you get hit on, you don't, Freaked yeah. out, you're like you like feel better, you know. Like, oh, thank you, great compliment. <laughs> but that's also a, that's also a, a, a symbol of masculinity that you're so comfortable in your skin. Mm. You know, a lot of men aren't comfortable in their skin. Yeah, like I could walk in a gay club and feel completely fine. Right. And I you, mean, there's moments where I'm like, okay, I don't need someone. Well, no, if, if someone's trying to me. influence yeah, you yeah. on something, well, that's like, that's disrespectful. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I'm comfortable in my own skin, and it's you know I think there was a time when I was younger where I probably wasn't as comfortable. You know, I was more ignorant to it, or I, I felt like because my teammates would say things about right the gay community or whatever that I was like I had to say, things. or they would ride you like they were, yeah. in terms of not literally, but they would they would literally <laughs> they would make fun of somebody yes. and they wouldn't give up, they wouldn't let no, up no, on they'd it. They keep calling you names for months and months or whatever. And yeah. what about and what about uh? Even heterosexual boys that tend to be a little more passive and a little more feminine. What yeah. would they? What would those kids do to them? They call them gay, or they bully them, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of you listening were probably called gay and were called, you know, weak and and whatever because yeah. you were more, you had softer. you know, softer and more vulnerable than than others. And of course, put that wall right up. Yeah, which is why a lot of, a lot of homophobic people. Are probably people that were bullied or abused or sexually abused or have fears of the, of exploring their yeah. own sexuality. Yeah, and a lot, and I know there's some that they get so big and strong they become like machines in the in the weight room to defend themselves of that attack, or right? That bullying or those name calling, or whatever. So a lot of people get big and strong for some type of defense, you know. So. And a lot of people ask themselves, so what does being vulnerable and loving and kind and generous and humble have to do with success? My answer is everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I say that in the training. I think you remember that yeah, when, course. when I, you know, I, I put you in a situation where we, we're not going to reveal it because it's, it's confidential and, and people need to go through their own process. But you did something that you would have never done before. Well, there's many things I did I've never done before. Well, but yes. no, but in in a specific yes. situation yep. where you were Absolutely. able, where you were it able, was to, unbelievable. It was like a role play. It was unbelievable, and it was beautiful, and it was moving, and it was uplifting, and you know, just the whole room's in tears, and everyone's everything. in tears, and I was in tears, and yeah, it crazy. was just, it was just beautiful, beautiful. But I would have never done that before. Of course not. Yeah, and and then of course that, and it wasn't about the act; it was about accessing mm -hmm. vulnerability and openness and being loving. Yeah. And I want to make another point about this whole thing is, and I've been saying that lately a lot, it's, it's possible to be loving, which is vulnerable in what we're talking about, feminine and powerful. Yes. You don't need to give up one for the other. And a lot of women think, well, you know, I, I can't, I can't be loving and powerful. I could only be loving and I give up the power. And my point of view is if you're just loving, then, you know, that, that shows up as weak. If you're just powerful, that shows up as aggressive or egotistical or and maybe. selfish and abrasive. When you combine both, which is, you know, both energies, the vulnerability and the masculinity, the love and the power, then that's like an unstoppable combination. And it's a, it's a dance. It's an art. It's, you know, constantly evolving and growing and learning and, it's a skill. You know, we've got to learn to develop this communication style of when to step into a more powerful role or a more loving, aware role. And it's not easy. It's not definitely easy not easy. At all. And that's why leaders are leaders because they can access that. They can access their understanding of every situation. They're aware. They're confident in themselves. They master different skills. 
and they can step into any type of role they need to in any situation. And giving up what people think of me is a very important element of this. I'll give you an example. I was watching a movie on the airplane, and it was one of these movies that by by the middle of it, I'm like <laughs> sobbing, <laughs> crying. I'm having a All moment. I'm, I'm having a moment. Yeah. And people around me were like, "What? what is wrong with this guy? He's like... <laughs> I think it might have been no. You know what it was? It was uh, Eddie the Eagle. I didn't see it. You didn't see Eddie the Eagle? Is this the um, downhill oh my skiing God, the, one or whatever? The, yes. I didn't and see and he was bullied his whole life, and he was like, he's the, like fly. Eddie, he was fly. like the nerd, and no one paid attention to him, and he kept you know breaking his glasses, and he kept it's a true story. Or no? It's a true story. Yeah, I never saw it. It's this. a true story, and uh, he qualified for the Olympics and everything. But the movie was so moving. It was like the underdog makes it. Right. And it's so like I'm Rudy. watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like Rudy. And I'm watching the movie. Uh, it's like Seabiscuit. Right. <laughs> I'm watching the movie and I'm having an attack. <laughs> and a, a part of me almost went back to the old me. Like, and I even, I, like, I stopped myself because I saw people looking at me. Like, and I oh. went, you know what? That's their problem. I'm like sobbing. <laughs> You know, and then this guy comes up to me and he goes, you must be watching Eddie the Eagle. Wow. He goes, when I saw you cry, I know that you were watching that movie because I was crying. You know, it, it, it's like it validated his cry. Interesting. Like it was okay to cry. Like he felt guilty about crying. But when he saw me crying, he thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting how we are as men and how we do that. And I think of expressing our emotions however we do it, if we don't express it either verbally or through tears or through physical exertion or whatever it is, if we hold in the emotion, the expression, and we don't communicate it out in some way, it's going to bottle up and hurt us in the long run. Whether well, I say, I say physical I say, pain, yeah, yeah. emotional pain, you know, it's going to come out in cancer, it's going to come out in attacking someone or hitting someone. Well, they say that men die earlier than women in our society because men don't express how they feel. Wow. Because m most men die of a broken heart. And what happens is that men, what they do is men are experts at stuffing their feelings and stuffing their emotions. And so what you're saying is so important that part of the myth of masculinity is not to show how you feel. People die and you stuff it. People break up and you stuff it. You lose a job and you stuff it. But that stuffing it gets manifested, like you just said, yeah. in a lot of different ways. I've seen it in my drinking. training rooms. I, I could yeah, tell. Yeah. I could tell people walk in, people that are addicted, people that are workaholics, people that are miserable, people that have mansions and no one in it, people that have cancer, you know, they they walk around with a body with a bag to go to the bathroom. You know, people it develops cancer, heart disease, all of the think of the word disease, dis ease. I'm not at peace. I'm in dis ease. When you're at ease, you're in peace. When you're in dis ease, that creates disease. And so this this podcast can save your life. Really listen to it. Because as we start on letting go of our feelings and our emotions that rejuvenates us mm. is there any final thing you want to talk about this topic i feel like we could go on for a while about it but i want to kind of button it up and give people some things to do we've already given some great exercises we've given them some some information some awareness is there anything final point about what men or women could do to move forward in their lives around this topic i think educating yourself i think uh reinventing the definitions, like what it really means to be a man. And I think that what it means to be a man or a woman has to do with your values and your principles and what's the legacy you're going to leave behind. Yeah. What gift do you leave behind when you go? You know, it's not the man with the most toys that wins. It's the man or the woman that touched the most hearts that win. That's my final message. I love it. Make sure to get Chris's book, Transform Your Life, 10 Principles of Abundance and Prosperity. We'll link it up here in the show notes. You've already given your, your definition of greatness. You've already shared your three truths. Uh, so I'm going to acknowledge you for the last moments to um, acknowledge you for constantly showing up with a huge, vulnerable, loving heart and educating me 
uh, educating our audience. I think there's been over a million downloads from all the episodes you've been on. So you've impacted so many people's lives. So thanks for being a constant giver, 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 lover. It's amazing. I appreciate you. It is my honor. Yes, I appreciate it. Thank and you. make sure to uh, connect with Chris at Chris Motivador on Twitter is the main place you hang out. And Instagram, Chris Lee 65. Chris Lee 65. Facebook, Chris Lee Motivational Trainer. Awesome. We'll link it all up. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Lewis. Appreciate Love it. it. This is home. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, what did you guys think of this episode? What opened up for you? Share with me over on Twitter or over on the comments on the YouTube channel, on the blog, anywhere. Let me know what opened up for you. Again, at Lewis Howes on Twitter, at Chris Motivador on Twitter as well. LewisHowes.com slash 362 to get all the resources, all the links to watch the full video interview, to get the one-line quotes that you thought were awesome. We have all those linked up as well for you to share them out and to have the conversation about what you think is masculinity and what the art of masculinity is like for you. So let me know what you think. If you enjoyed this episode as well and you haven't yet left a review over on iTunes, now is your chance. We have over a thousand five-star reviews, but I want to get more people leaving feedback and reviewing because that's going to help spread this message out to more people over on iTunes and in the world. We get over 1.3 million downloads a month and we're looking to double, triple, quadruple that as fast as possible to reach more people and help them live their best life and live in their greatness. So please leave a review at iTunes.com slash School of Greatness. I love you guys. Again, share this out with your friends. Let me know what you think. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.